today. John chapter number 3 is where we will be this morning. This is a very familiar passage in the Bible. The last several weeks we've been dealing with the woman at the well and we're kind of backtracking here. Those of you who've been here since the beginning of the year might understand that we're covering salvation stories in the Bible. This is how people got saved in the Bible. And in John chapter number 3 we have a great salvation passage which was talked about to Nicodemus from the Lord Jesus. Now the scripture reads, and you can remain seated for God's word this morning, uh, John chapter 3 and verse number 1. We're going to read through the first 10 verses and then we'll pray. It says, There was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. The same came to Jesus by night and said unto him, Rabbi, we know that thou art a teacher come from God. For no man can do these miracles that thou doest, except God be with him. Jesus answered and said unto him, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, Except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus saith unto him, How can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter the second time into his mother's womb and be born Jesus answered, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, Except a man be born of water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Marvel not that I said unto thee, Ye must be born again. The wind bloweth where it listeth, and thou hearest the sound thereof, but canst not tell whence it cometh and whither it goeth. So is everyone that is born of the Spirit. Nicodemus answered and said unto him, How can these things be? Jesus answered and said unto him, Art thou a master of Israel, and knowest not these things? We'll stop our reading right there this morning. This is Nicodemus part one. The first few things that Christ said to Nicodemus will be the topic of our consideration this morning. Let's pray. Our Father in heaven, we thank you for the opportunity to be in this place. Lord, this time has been separated for the preaching of your word. And I pray, Lord, that you would work in the hearts of the hearer this morning. Protect me, protect our church. Help us, Lord, to hear what we we need to hear from you, from the word of God. And Lord, we just pray your blessing on this service in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, if you've been with us for the last few weeks, we were dealing in John chapter number 4, where we learned of a woman who had been married five different times, and now living together with someone who she was not married to, was met by Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ offered her a drink of living water, and she definitely wanted water. She was thinking that it was a physical water that Christ was offering, and Christ turned her attention to the spiritual. And we learned last week that the woman was gloriously saved, that she left her water pot, that she went back into the town where she lived, and she used her testimony as a wonderful means to bring other people to meet Jesus Christ, who had changed her life. Now in John chapter number 3, we meet someone who is very different than the woman at the well. We're dealing with a Jewish man named Nicodemus. This man who came, the scripture says in John chapter 3 and verse number 1, that there was a man of the Pharisees 
named Nicodemus. This name means, this name literally means conqueror or victorious among his people. What we notice in verse number one was he was a man. He was a male. He was a man of the Pharisees. He was a man who was religious. He was a ruler of the Jews, according to verse number one. This means he was respected, that he was a part of a council known as the Sanhedrin, which was a ruling council of the Jews. He was well taught in the Old Testament scriptures. He had a thorough scriptural education. He was far different than the woman at the well in Samaria. The woman at the well in Samaria didn't know where they were supposed to worship, didn't understand truths about God being a spirit, didn't understand certain things about Christ, but Nicodemus was far different. He was well versed in everything the Bible said in the Old Testament. Now our English Bible is made up, and all Bibles are made up of 66 books. It's a collection of 66 books that was written from 40 different authors over a 1600 year period. This is my Bible. I start here in Matthew. This is the Old Testament. This is what Nicodemus would have been educated in. He understood what the Old Testament was. This is a Jewish book. I'm, I'm off, aren't I? Brother Ronnie, you're back there doing jumping jacks. Sorry. The great sound band. Let me see how to get this thing off. Now it's blinking red, so what do I got to do? Press this button here on the side in order to turn it on. Okay, from red to a blinking red and green. Well, it's blinking red and green, so it's like stop, go, stop, go, stop, go, stop. What does that mean? That means that I didn't do this thing on... Okay. Can you guys hear me today? Do you know what to do when it says stop, go, stop, go, stop, go? You just take it off. I pray that you'll be able to hear me this, this morning. So Nicodemus was definitely a religious man. He was a, he was a ruler of the Jews. But there were some truths that he did not understand. Now, we were just talking about the Bible. Young people I wanted, and older people and middle-aged people and all people in between, the devil hates this book. He hates the words of this book. He will fight you against believing this book. But this book is altogether true. You might hear people say that there are errors in the Bible. Every time I've ever heard someone tell me that there's an error in the Bible, I hold my Bible out because I've read the thing cover to cover several times. And Hey, show me. Where are the errors in the Bible? The Bible was true before men believed it. The Bible says, he that sat upon the circle of the earth, the earth was a, is a circle. You know, we got pictures from outer space. You know, from satellites. That's how we have our global positioning systems. You know, a GPS can tell you right exactly where you are. This is how you can open up a Google map and take you from point A to point B because there's satellites in space. And you know what those satellite photos show? That the earth is a circle. Men thought that they were going to sail off the side of the earth back in the 1400s because they didn't have any pictures from space. The Bible talks about the life of the flesh being in the blood. In Leviticus 17, in verse number 11, it talks about the life of the flesh is in the blood. Our very first president, George Washington, had people who thought he had an issue of blood, and they attached leeches to him and bled the guy to death. If they just would have believed the Bible, they would have understood that the life of the flesh is in the blood. The Bible is a scientific book. All the things that the Bible has to say about science are true. Now, people try to wrestle with this book. Typically, the people wrestling with the Bible are those who do not want to, to accept the truths of the Bible. Now, when we're dealing with this subject here about this new birth in John chapter number 3, Jesus Christ was very plain in John chapter number 3. What I'm trying to say about God's Word is you can believe it. God's Word is trustworthy. 
God's word can change your life. But in spite of the fact that Nicodemus had an understanding of the Old Testament, there were some things he did not understand. Which tells me this, that religion cannot save you. Coming to church today may be a good thing for you to do. Thank God you're in church. If you've come to church today, you've made a good decision with your time and your life. Today is the Lord's day. It's the first day of the week. The Bible says not to forsake the assembling of ourselves together. The Bible encourages church attendance. Church attendance is good, but church attendance will not take you to heaven. The offering plates were just passed. If you put in the offering plate, praise the Lord. If you're visiting with us, I want you to know that you're not ever obligated to give anything to this church. Our church members give tithes and offerings to this church. We are not after your money, and God doesn't need your money. He owns the cattle on a thousand hills. If you give to Him, great. But you're not going to go to heaven because you put something in the plate. You're going to go to heaven because of Jesus Christ. And Jesus had something to tell to Nicodemus. The study of Scripture, as admirable as it was will not save a soul without the new birth. It's not merely reading about Christ, but having Christ formed in us. You know, this blessed book that we read, the Bible, has the ability to cleanse us and to wash us. God's word is necessary in order to be saved. You know, you're not going to be able to go to heaven. You understand me? You won't be able to go to heaven unless you believe the truths that are in this book. Now listen, whether or not you believe this or not, It makes no difference. The Bible says, And as it is appointed unto men once to die, and after this, the judgment. We're all heading for the judgment. The book of Romans in the 14th chapter says, So then every one of us will give an account of himself to God. You're going to give an account for how you've lived your life. You're going to give it to the judge. The judge of all the earth. Now God has left you this book to tell you about him. It's very important that you get to know this book. Young people, this world today has put all these neon lights in front of you. The Bible says, what shall it profit a man if he gain the whole world and lose his own soul? We've got sports players today who've earned over a billion dollars during their playing career. It's not going to help them one bit when they stand before God. God's not going to ask you how many hoops you can, you can shoot. He's not going to ask you how many uh, touchdown passes you've caught. But he will be talking to you about what you did with Jesus Christ. That determines where you're going to spend eternity. And that's what Jesus is dealing with Nicodemus about. He was a very religious man of a religious sect of the Jews. What we learn from this story is this. Jesus took time in John chapter 4 for a forgotten woman. She was someone who was cast away from society. He had time for her. Now you have Nicodemus, a religious man, who came to Jesus by night. You know what? Jesus had time for him too. Jesus has time for the rich, and he has time for the poor. He has time for the white. He has, he has time for the black. He has, he has time for no matter what color of your skin is. He has, he has time for you to talk to you about your soul. And we're all equal and level at the foot of the cross. God's not looking at your skin color to determine whether or not you're savable. Anybody is savable. If you're breathing, God can save you. Nicodemus was confused, he was concerned, he was inquisitive, and he was seeking. And what did he find? He found that Christ was available, that Christ was accessible, and you will too. If you come seeking Christ, if you want to know the truth about the Lord, Jesus will be there for you. He doesn't shut the door on seeking Christians. Or seeking people. 
If you want to know the truth about salvation, if you're coming to church today and you're, you're listening and you say, I'm not sure about this whole thing about being born again and I'm not sure about these matters of salvation, you've come to the right place. But I'm telling you, the Bible says you can't seek the Lord and not find Him. He will be found of those who seek after Him. And so that's what he found. He found Christ that was approachable, welcoming. However, Christ got right down to the point. You know, he didn't spend a whole lot of time with flattering words or fluffing him up. You know, you can see what what Nicodemus had to say in verse number 2. First of all, he came to Christ by night, which revealed his desire to stay anonymous. He didn't want other people discovering that he actually was going to Christ. This has no doubt the reason for that was because of all the cultural rejection of Jesus at this time by the religious crowd. They hated Christ. So he tried to go and meet with Christ under cover of darkness. He was thinking for himself, though. You know, in order to get saved, you do have to think for yourself. You've got to consider, you know, you might have a friend in your life that says, hey, this preacher's out of his mind expecting me to get saved, expecting me to believe on Jesus, a man who I've never saw, A man who lived 2,000 years ago, you may go back and and you may have somebody who's trying to deter you from believing on Christ. Nicodemus no doubt had this, but Nicodemus had the benefit of knowing that Christ was actually doing miracles. And he said this, that nobody can do these miracles except God be with him. He was looking at Christ and he would see miracles that took place, you know, starting from the very beginning at at the wedding in Cana. And when when all these things were seen, he started considering there were people who were saying Jesus was possessed of the devil. And Nicodemus was no doubt saying, no, there there ain't no way that's true. How is Jesus doing these things in the name of the devil? How is Jesus, you know, he, he just said, no man can do these things except God be with him. And Jesus went straight for the heart. He said this in verse number three. Now, young people, if you are a sports fan, you, you might recognize this verse. At at, at some of the uh, championship games this last year, when people were kicking game-winning field goals, there were people holding up a sign that says John 3-3. Big old sign, John 3-3, as they're kicking that last field goal. What a ministry. (laughs) I am not in the football ministry, okay? I'm in the preaching ministry, but I'm here to tell you what John 3-3 says. Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born again, He cannot see the kingdom of God. He said that there was an absolute necessity of being born again. And this statement caused him confusion. It it, it concerned him because his mind immediately went to the physical birth. Christ said, you're not going to go to heaven unless you're born again. And Nicodemus, who was an educated man, came back to Christ and said, verse 4... How can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter the second time into his mother's womb and be born? So again, in John 4, he dealt with the woman. And Jesus offered her water. She said, I want to drink that water. And he told her to go and get her husband first before she could take that water. She had to recognize some things in her life before she could partake of the spiritual water. Now you have Nicodemus... He talks to him about being born again, and Nicodemus immediately goes to his natural or physical birth. All of you have been born. There was a time in your existence when you did not exist. Okay, There was a time in my life when I, in fact, got married. 
I haven't always been married. <laughs> I haven't always existed. My birth had a, my, my birth date was on a particular day, particular year, particular time. We have a birth certificate to prove it. But here I am. I have been born. But something preceded my existence. Okay? Christ preceded my existence. I came into being. So did you. Jesus said you need to be born again. And so Nicodemus is like, okay, I'm a grown man. And every lady in the church is thinking, no, you are not coming back into my womb so that we can have you again. That's not how things work. I had, uh, my wife had five children. Um, Our our largest child was nine pounds, pretty much nine pounds even. He's a large child. You know, Nicodemus is seeing himself as a grown man, and he's like, how can I get back into my mother's womb? That's impossible. But Christ wasn't talking to him about going back into his mother's womb. Thankfully. (laughs) He talked to him about this issue about being born again. Now notice in verse number 5, Jesus goes on and further explains. Jesus answered, and he says these words, verily, verily. This is like a double emphatic. This is like Christ telling you, look me right in my eyes. I'm about to say something that is so true. Nothing ever can be said against this. Truly, truly, he said it in verse number 3, you have to be born again. He said that verily, verily. Verse number 5, he said, verily, verily again, I say unto thee, except a man be born of water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. Then he says this, that which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is Spirit. So what does this all mean? I remember going to the hospital with my wife, Many, many years ago, our second born uh, daughter was about to be born. Her water had broken one morning, and she called me. This This was in 1998. And at that time, young people, I was carrying an archaic piece of communication called a pager. Okay, I didn't have a cell phone. I had a pager. And we had a code. And the code was 911. Okay? If I got the 911, she was having a baby. And I was driving a truck at the time delivering paper, 50-pound boxes of paper. I left with about 14,000 pounds every day on my truck, and I delivered all that paper by hand. It was a good job for a young, growing family and a man who wanted to support his family. So anyway, I got the page. I called my boss at my next stop. I had to get to a phone because we weren't carrying a phone. All of you young people, you have absolutely no clue what I'm talking about. We didn't carry phones back in those days. Well, how did people get in touch with you? Pagers. How did people get in touch with you? Wait till you get home? You know. So I called my boss and I said, listen, my wife said her water broke. I got the 911 text. And so he's like, tell me where you are. And he came up there and he met me. And he took over my route that day and I started heading over to the hospital. I get to the hospital. I am looking in the emergency room. I am looking in the birthing center. And I cannot find my wife anywhere. I'm thinking, okay, me and her had said which hospital we're going to. What in the world has happened? So I am in utter confusion going around the hospital because it only takes 20 minutes for her to get from the house to the hospital. Okay? Now I had to 
call my boss. My boss had to leave where he was, drive 30 minutes to get me, meet me, me to explain to him where I was at in my route, for me to take the vehicle he brought to me and then drive another 30 minutes over there. I mean, it's been an hour and a half, and my wife is nowhere to be found. So I was, uh, I was a little nervous. So I'm walking out thinking, what in the world? I, I'm, I'm worrying if she may be having this baby on the side of the road. And as I'm going down to the elevator from the birthing center, the elevator opens up and there stands my wife. She had her hair curled and she had all of her makeup on. And she says, I'm not having this baby until I look right. And I said, well, praise the Lord. My wife got there. Her water had broken and... And that baby, she, she was ready, she, she had been ready for about a month to have that child. She just wanted the baby to be out of her, her belly. And me too, I, you know, two brains in one body, you know, creates a, you know, a mix of, you know, you, you guys don't understand anything about it, but married couples understand. But anyway, you know, my wife gets in there and I'm talking to the nurse and I'm like, hey, how long do you think before this baby's coming? She's like, oh, oh, honey, her, her water broke, that baby's coming. You know, there's a, a sac around the baby that's forming within the womb of a mother. It's called an amniotic sac. Now, guys, this will never happen to you. You can't get pregnant, okay? You're never going to have a baby growing inside of you. Ladies have this. This is how God separates the genders. There is male and female. Now, this world's going to attack that today, too, because the devil wants to confuse the living daylights out of you guys to, you know, really get you guys thinking, hey, I can choose what gender I am. God chooses what gender people are. He created them male and female, and that's it. Now, this amniotic sac, once that water breaks, that baby, you know, the woman's going to be going into some contractions, and I'm probably not using all the, great, the greatest le- or, or medical terms. What I can tell you is, is the baby was coming. That's what we would call, in verse number 5, born of water. You don't get born until your mama's water breaks. All of your mama's water broke. How do you know that? Because you're sitting here. You've all been born of water. Just like Nicodemus. He had been born of water. Jesus said in verse number, he said, Except a man be born of water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. Now, he's telling Nicodemus, you had the first birth, but you need a second birth. You need another birth used to sing a song when we were in church and they changed the words to happy birthday. Today we sang happy birthday to, to Miss Joyce. Somebody was dyslexic in there and said she was 29. She's 92 years old. We sang happy birthday to the sister and thank God for our birthday. But we used to sing a song in church and they changed the words to happy birthday. It says, happy birthday to you, only one will not do. Born again means salvation. How many have you? In Nicodemus' case, he only had one birth. He had never been born of the Spirit, never so much as heard of it. And Christ was explaining this to him. Except a man be born of water, physical birth, and of the Spirit, spiritual birth, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. Notice in verse number 6, again, further defining it. That which is born of the flesh is flesh. Physical birth. The flesh birth is likened to the water birth. Now some of our other religious denominations that are out there, they try to twist these words up and try to tell you something that's not true. All I can tell you is is there's a difference between the water birth, physical birth, and the spiritual birth. 
You have to have that second birthday. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. And then Jesus said, don't be confused by this. Marvel not that I said unto thee, ye must be born again. Now, let me say this before we move on, and we're going to close here in just a few moments. The scripture makes it plain in verse number 3, except a man be born again, he can't see the kingdom of heaven. The Bible says in verse number 5, except a man be born of water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. The Bible speaks here of how needed it is for you to be born again. You can't go to heaven without being born again. You say, well, I don't understand what this being born again means. You're in the right place. You're in a place where someone's going to open up the Bible and explain to you how exactly someone can be born again of the Spirit of God. Jesus uses a metaphor here, the metaphor of the wind. In verse number 8, you know, science and scientists have tried for years to discover where the wind comes from. Verse 8, Jesus and his comment still has confused them. Where does the wind come from anyway? Keep trying to answer that. The wind bloweth where it listeth, and thou hearest the sound thereof, but canst tell, canst not tell whence it cometh and whither it goeth. So is every one that is born of the Spirit. You know, one writer put it this way, using this metaphor of the wind, it shows us that the mystery is a matter of fact, and the mystery can be turned to practical account. For though we do not understand all about the wind, yet we know when it is blowing. And though we can't comprehend it, we can make use of it. The wind has been employed in a thousand ways in the service of man, and it is not necessary that we should understand it in order to make use of it. A man may be an admirable sailor and yet know nothing about the origin of the wind. We have people that are building in, in huge businesses right now. or They're trying to generate wind power by blowing those big windmills around. Many people are employed in this country because people are trying to make use of the wind. Where does the wind come from? Nobody can tell you where it comes from, but we know it's real. You can hear it. So it is with the mysteries of the kingdom of God, said the writer. Although we cannot understand them, their practical use is a a matter of such simplicity that we should do well to learn what it is. Now, when it comes to this being born again, there had to have been certain things you, you understand. In order to be born again, you have to first recognize this. You've never had that birth before. You can't get saved unless you've ever acknowledged that you're lost. You can't get saved unless you, you can't be born again unless you acknowledge that I never had that birth. Now just as I have a birth certificate and there was a date and time of my birth, there will be a date and time when you got saved. Getting saved takes place at a particular time in a particular place. Now, my mother is very thankful that I didn't have to get born and born again and born again and born again and again. No, thank the Lord, when a lady has a baby, it's, it's done. The baby is born. There are some people who believe that you can be born again into the family of God and that you get kicked out of the family of God when you do wrong. In other words, they believe that your works keep you saved. They believe if you think a dirty thought or if you commit a sin that God will then take you and boot you out of the family. That is not how any family works and it's certainly not how God's family works. When you become born again, you become a part of the family of God. 
Now, when you're dealing with this subject of being born again, the Bible talks about it being necessary. When does a person get born again? How do you get born again? Well, first of all, you recognize you've never been born again. Another fact that you have to recognize is that you are a sinner. The Bible says that there's none righteous, no, not one. The Bible says, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. In the book of Romans, in the sixth chapter, it says this, for the wages of sin is death. That means you're going to die. It's appointed unto men once to die. You can't escape death. You will die. The reason people die is because of sin. That's the wages of sin. A casket, someone who lays in a casket, is an effect of sin. We, have, we are sinners. Because we're sinners, we die. Graveyards that you pass. Hundreds and thousands of gravestones have been erected towards those who've been buried in these graveyards. Every graveyard speaks to the fact that we are sinners. You're a sinner. Now the, the remedy to sin was something we sang about this morning. Have you been to Jesus for the cleansing power? Oh, we sang there's power in the blood. We actually sang it twice. We sang it in Sunday school and we sang it in church. You know, there's power in the blood. What is the remedy for sin? The remedy for sin was that Jesus Christ came and he died on our behalf. You can't get born again until you understand you've never been born again. You can't get born again until you recognize that you have an issue of sin. And you can't get born again until you recognize what the remedy for sin was. And that was Jesus Christ, the one who was speaking to Nicodemus. Now next week we're going to get into verses 16 through 18 and probably after that as well. But Jesus Christ mentioned this. This is one of the grandest verses of all times. Perhaps the the central theme of all the Bible is found in John 3 and 16. Which says this, For God so loved the world, that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish, but have everlasting life. You know, the Scripture says this, God loved you. You say, I don't have a good family. I don't know what the love of a father is. You will if you get saved. You've got a heavenly Father who loves you. There's not one person in this room who could say that someone didn't love them. God loved you. And He loved you through Christ. He gave His only begotten Son. And the Bible says that whosoever, you're a whosoever. The word whosoever means anyone without exception. You could be short. You could be tall. You could be skinny. You could be not so skinny. <laughs> you can be from any number of nations in this world. Whosoever believeth in Him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Let me ask you a question. When did you get born again? Can you take me to a time and a date, a place where you were saved? He used to sing a song out of the Green Book, and and I've said this before, I could tell you another time, I could take you to the place where the Lord saved me by His wonderful grace. Salvation took place when we acknowledge our sin, when we acknowledge that Without Christ, we are unsaved, we are lost, and we're turning to Christ through His finished work on Calvary in order to believe on Him so that we might be saved. That's what John 3 and 16 says. says. Now we're going to get into the breakdown of those passages probably next week. But let me ask you this. Have you been born again? There was a time in my life when I was under heavy conviction of the Spirit of God. I knew that I was lost. I did not want to be lost anymore. I wanted to get saved. The pastor was preaching on the love of Jesus. And can I tell you this today, friend? If you're lost, Jesus paid for every sin that you've ever committed. 
past, present, and future. The payment for your sins has been made in full. Jesus said in John 19 and verse 30, He said, It is finished. What He said was, is The payment for the sins of the whole world has been made in full. Paid in full. If you're lost, why are you lost? If you don't know the Lord, if you don't know forgiveness, why? He died so that you might be saved. He shed his blood so that you would come to him and believe on him. Listen, the blood of Jesus is still just as available to us as it was available to those who lived in Christ's day. It is relegated to your account when you believe on Jesus Christ. Do you know that you're lost? That's step number one. Do you know the remedy for your lost condition? Jesus Christ and what he did on Calvary. Through the gospel, the death, the burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ is what God chose to save you. And now, when you know those things, then you need to come to the Lord and put your faith and trust in Christ, in Christ alone. The Bible says this in Romans chapter 10, that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. With the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. Here in this passage you find this Nicodemus, this ruler of the Jews. He comes to Christ lost. And Christ says, you must be born again. So the question to you today, friend, is have you been born again? If you have been born again, you can say, yes, I remember that day when I accepted Christ as my Savior. When I believed on Christ. If you're not born again. This invitation's for you. I, I, will, I want to invite you to come. You say, what's an invitation? That's where the musicians will come and we're going to play a verse and where people are invited to come down to the front. Now, some people don't come down to get saved. They come down to rededicate their life to the Lord. Some people may come down because they have been saved and never been baptized. But some people do come down and say, you know what? I need to get saved. If that's your story today, I want to invite you to do that. Listen, don't wait. You could wait till it's eternally too late. You can't get saved after you die. You've got to deal with this while you're in life. Say, Pastor, I'm not sure when I was born again. Well, why don't you come down here to the front? Let's get this settled today. Let's receive Jesus today. With our heads bowed and our eyes closed, let's stand together. Let's stand together. Let's respect one another who are here in the church house today. There could be somebody here today who is lost. Now, with our heads bowed and our eyes closed and nobody looking around, that means if I look up and see your eyes, something's wrong. Respect your neighbor. There could be somebody here today say, I've gone to church for a long time, but I I don't know that I've been born again. I want to invite you as the piano plays, would you just come? Would you come and be saved today? Somebody will come here to the front and help you. the Lord's worked in your life today maybe you need to pray for a family member I want you to come if God's worked in your life just do whatever the Lord has asked
need to make a decision for Christ. You don't know the Lord. He's here. He wants to save you. somebody here today and you've been saved but you've never been baptized and God's been working this in your life if if you have to make that decision or need to I want to invite you to come there could be somebody else on your heart and in your mind and you say you know what I want to go down to the front and I want to pray for my family my children my parents my wife my husband whatever God has put it in your life to do it could be others who you need to join the church you're not a part of any church and God's working in your life to join the Metropolitan Baptist Church. I want you to consider what God would have for you to do this morning. And if, if God's spoken anything to you on those matters, I want to encourage you to come. As Brother John sings this next verse. the strength of all my comfort, more than life. be somebody else here today and God's working on you. I hope you'll be obedient to the things that God has for you. And all of God's people said, Amen. Amen. It's certainly been good to be in God's house today. Thank you again for visiting with us if you're visiting and thank you for coming. And uh, we want to remind you, if you have uh, the ability to come back this evening, we have a 6 p.m. service tonight, so we'll start at 6 p.m. Similar service to this, we'll sing a few songs and have a time from the Word of God. Uh, May God be with you as you go, and if there's any needs that you have, please see me on the way out so I can pray for you. And uh, we're going to look forward to what God uh, will continue to do in the services. we got quite a crowd here today. What a good turnout. 
at the Metropolitan Baptist Church. You know, we're looking forward to the day when every single seat in this building is occupied. And uh, for the church, just so that you know, this is our 100th year anniversary. And uh, this is the the 100th year that this church has been in existence. Now, um, there's only a couple people who are still around uh, that were here in 1923. Um, Brother C.R. Domini is here. No, no, no. he started coming here in 1960. Uh, I don't think anybody predates Brother C.R. around here, but I don't think we have any other charter members here at the church But we are planning on having quite a celebration in October of this year. Um, I've asked Brother C.R. to bring his 1923 Model T and park it out in front of the church. By By the time we get to that day, I really hope that we've met a whole lot more people. And that we can fill this building up for the Lord. And, um... It's a great testimony of God's grace on a congregation. Yeah. This church has, had, has been a lighthouse. And I look forward to what God's going to do here in the days ahead. If God has been working in your heart and in your life through the preaching or through the services here, I want to encourage you to continue. You let God have his way in your life. He'll help you. And uh, we hope and pray that you feel blessed to be in the Lord's house today. All right, we're going to go ahead and have a word of dismissal prayer. I'm going to call on Brother Earl Cavanaugh to dismiss the service, please.